Hello and welcome to the School of ICT Conversation Bites podcast. I'm Tessa. Join me for conversations about the personal stories, current research and career advice from the talented people in our ICT community. In this episode, we have a conversation with Associate Professor Ernest Fu, Senior Academic and Studio Lead of the Griffith Cyber Studio. So what's your research background and what study have you done to get into the academic field and, Ooh, then, okay. and then to Griffith? Ah, it's a long story. I've got no hair, so I'm really old for those people who are listening. So <laughs> it's, I've been around for a long time. I did engineering. I did electrical engineering when right. I first um, got a bachelor's. And that was out at UQ. And then I uh, worked for a little while and got sick of that. And then thought, oh, I'll go back and do a PhD. They're pretty easy, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) I'm on week three of mine. So thank you for the hope, but it's still scary. (laughs) So I thought, oh, what will I do? And then, um, so then I went back and did my PhD at QUT. And it was in electronic payment systems. Right. Uh, and in cryptography. Yeah, okay. So that started my journey in cybersecurity. The electronic payment systems, I was uh, putting those together before we use credit cards online. Right. That's how old I was. I was just am. thinking, because like a lot of that's pretty <laughs> recent. So for oh, you to have done your PhD a while ago. I did. So, so was your PhD part of like bringing on some of the systems that we use now? Not really. So I did a lot of theoretical stuff about anonymous payments. Yeah. Uh, and this was before blockchain. Yeah, I was going to so say I blockchain. Did, yeah, no, <laughs> Let's get that blockchain is there. not anonymous. So that's, that's one of the ah. myths that out there, that's out there. It's not, it's not anonymous. Um, so I did develop anonymous payment systems uh, yeah. and looked at those things. But the, before the whole blockchain concept, it was, it was really – computationally expensive at the time so in the end people just said forget about anonymity i just want to pay stuff uh and so you as you realize whenever you pay stuff with uh credit cards there is no anonymity everybody knows uh what you did so yeah but that that took off for many years yeah uh, right before blockchain so there's lots of things happening in the cybersecurity space like, you know, Optus and Medibank and stuff like that. And and people have speculated that maybe that's been associated with nation-state actors and stuff like that. So we don't really know what what the... We don't really know at the moment, but one of the things that you've got to realise with cybercrime is that cybercrime is, like, massive and it's massively organised, if that makes sense. So there's a whole other marketplace associated with cybercrime now. So... Very likely the person who uh, conducted the Optus breach would have on-sold all of that information to other criminals, right? And then the other criminals would then all be doing separate things to that data. Mm. Right? So it's it's not like the one person who's done the hack actually then goes on and does everything with that data. Uh, it it gets it gets on sold. It gets cut up just like a chop shop for cars. Right. Except there'd be a chop shop for data. <laughs> Great. Um, so you know all the email addresses would go to the phishing people. All of the all of the credit card details would go to the money laundering people. You know all all of the you know um, uh, ide- personal identity would go to the identity theft catfishing people. You know. Um, it would have just been all sliced and diced and resold to everybody else. Right. And then, and the reason why we're getting 
more and more breaches is because that initial massive breach contain information that can then be used to conduct further breaches. So you would have noted that the Medicare breach was all about, you know, uh, credentials were compromised. Mm. But, I mean, I can only speculate, but I would imagine part of that compromise might have been something to do with identity theft or something that may have come possibly from data that came from an Optus. Yeah, uh, and so they kind of all fall like dominoes. They have a bit of a yeah. bit of information from the first one can be yeah. used to get into the next one. Yeah, yeah, because like you know, if if you've gotten stuff from Optus, that's like you know the person's name and their license number and maybe even their password or, mm. uh, or date of birth, then you can go to some other organisation and say, oh, I'm I'm that person and oh I forgot my password. And they say, well, maybe give us your date of birth. And you go, aha, I have that from Wilder's Breach. There it is. And then, and then they go, oh, yeah, okay, you're you. You can get in. And then they're in. Yeah, you know I mean? so, right. Um, and then all they need to do is find someone in authority or with you know, administrative privileges as they had with, with Medicare and bang, they're in again and then they're out. Yeah. With even more data, which they then chop shop up again and then, and then it, it goes uh, around and around. Yeah, crazy. It's like a whole whole other world that's happening that, you know, there's all these, I guess, markets for this kind of there data, is. which is... There is. And so many people can uh, do many different things. It's all linked. So all the scams and, and other kinds of stuff, they're using data from these other kinds of breaches. So... Yeah. Right. Wow. That's yeah. That's interesting to get a bit of an insight into how some of this where this data goes. Because I mean, you see it in the news that such and such has been breached, and all this data. That you kind of go, oh, what do they want yeah. that for? What are they going to do with my email address? Send me <laughs> some know. more scam emails. Yeah, but, but it, it it only takes you to click the link once. And this is kind of like one of the the sad things I think and, and quite often when I talk to people they'll say oh I'm, I don't care about cyber security I've got nothing to hide you know they can come and they can look at my you know stuff and I'm you know and it's all okay but you don't realize the value of your data and your personal information until someone starts to use it against you yeah and, you know and, and and things can things can quickly fall apart yeah um, you know once once they have your name and your address they can actually front up to that address. Right, yeah, that that's a good Especially point. Especially if, yeah. they if they're looking for, for someone who's vulnerable, they would say someone who's relatively young, female, and they and this is their address. Okay, let's go for a visit. Yeah, yeah. of course, or yeah. Or someone who's old and vulnerable and, oh, let's find their address and rob the place, right? And yeah. you know who is in that space who lives in that particular place, right? Yeah, so, so it doesn't just stay in the cyber world necessarily. There's, there can be some the real-world consequences to our cyber security not being up to scratch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. People don't realise. Yeah, no, it's something that I hadn't really thought about much either. Like I use a password manager to keep like oh, yes. lengthy Everybody passwords. Oh, yes, everybody use password managers. There we go. <laughs> Definitely go use password managers. <laughs> uh, and make sure you have a different password for every single account. So... What excites you most about that whole field and the topic of cybersecurity and um, what we can do? It's changing all the time. I guess it's sad in a way because, uh, I mean, you know, in, in the past when I first started with cybersecurity, it's all very theoretical. But nowadays, since, you know, we've all become modernised and, you know, there's social media and 
everyone's digitized now and yeah so cybersecurity is actually becoming very practical and very uh, real for people but the other thing i'm passionate about is getting students jobs yeah okay yeah, yeah. Getting, getting people who graduate from my classes getting into industry and, and working so i'm really keen to hear stories about students who finish and see where they go and also kind of like giving them the opportunities that they need so they can get into into the cybersecurity industry. Yeah, cool. So what's your top five tips for students looking to get into the cybersecurity workforce? Oh, be passionate about cybersecurity is the number one Perfect. tip. Passion's um, it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, of course. When you go to interviews, people, uh, the, the, the people in the industry, they'll know if you're interested about the topic area or not. And... You know, they're, they're really looking for someone who would be happy to go to work. They're not interested in people who might be really, you know, score really highly but just hate the field. So they're looking for someone who's, who's keen in that, in that area. So definitely passion. The other thing is, you know, to think about what the employer wants uh, and what kind of things that they want and then how can you bring your skills and experience to that, to that field. I've seen lots of people who have a, a a standard CV or resume that they just give out to everybody, but unfortunately that's not going to work. You have to stand out. There's literally hundreds of people applying for every position, even if it's a specialist position. So um, you've got to stand out somehow. So make sure that you customise the CVs and resumes that go through. If you get to do a video interview, yeah. Make sure it's scripted, everybody. Oh, okay. Script scripted. It out. Script it out right. and you can ad lib as you go, but definitely have it have the script in the background as you do it. Uh, the other thing is don't wear a singlet and shorts to the video <laughs> interview. Yes, you have uh, to wear pants. You have to wear pants <laughs> uh, and kind of dress up. So they want in the video interview they want to see a little bit about you. Uh, so give them that show that you've got a bit of a personality um, but yeah definitely script it so you make sure that in the two minutes or the one minute that you cover all the points that you want to cover yeah right that's a really good point and actually with video interviews it's much easier to have like your notes up on the screen yeah. and they don't know that you're reading yeah. unless you make it really obvious yeah. <laughs> but but even if <laughs> you do they don't mind so as yeah. long as you can actually yeah, you kind of deliver it. That's that's the way to go. Yeah. But the key thing that you need is experience. So um, a, a big chunk of experience, and that's what I'm setting up with the Cyber Studio. Yes. So can you give us a quick rundown on what the Cyber Studio is and what students can get out of it? Oh, okay. So the Cyber Studio is a web page, a web page on the Griffith website. So just search for Griffith Cyber Studio. And the main aim of the studio is to link students with industry. And the two main ways of doing that is to try to provide training opportunities for you guys to get uh, certificates that employers are interested in, and then also to advertise uh, and facilitate internship programs from uh, different types of um, employers as well. Yeah. Uh, mainly in cybersecurity at the moment, but if some other industry partner came along, I'm happy to put them on there as well. So. Yeah, awesome. In the meantime, what's some things that students can do to practice their skills? Oh, yeah. So one of the other things to, to show that you're passionate about the field is to actually learn something on your own or, you know, do something extra to build on top of what you've done in class and, and tell people about it in the interview. 
I mean, you know, if you are interested in cybersecurity, if you go to a, an interview and say, look, I set up a virtual lab on my own computer or my computer's at home and I tested out some stuff that I heard about or I found out about a vulnerability and I thought I'd check it out to see how it really worked and, and this is what I learned about it, then all of those things, you know, really makes you stand out from everybody else. Yeah. Is there anything to be kind of careful of? What's, what's kind of the ground rules if you're checking out vulnerabilities and, and trying out some of these techniques? So make sure that you're not doing anything uh, on somebody else's systems. So make sure everything is virtualized and on your own system. And yeah, definitely learn about, if, if, you know, if you're kind of pretty raw and you don't know anything about this stuff, learn about virtual machines first and set up virtual machines on your own internal systems first, on your own local host, uh, and then uh, attack and experiment with those things on your local host first. Yeah. Uh, rather than anywhere else. Where yes. You can get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, don't try and hack into Microsoft. It's really not a good idea. No, or North Korea, which I have done before. Also that, so, okay. <laughs> so one of my PhD students, before he was a PhD student, we had a, had a project which, um, you know, when, when you do cybersecurity, you scan networks, right? Uh, and so scanning networks can mean basically you knock on the door of, of the particular IP address. Is that kind um, of like sending a ping to each of them? Or? Yeah, 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 except we, we try to connect. Okay. Them, right? Cool. Yeah, you do, for those technical people out there, we do a, a TCP three-way handshake. Uh, we do a SIM connection. So that's a, the first SIM packet in that three-way handshake. So so um, if you're doing a, a cybersecurity scan, that's that's what you do. You send a, a SIM packet and you, and you uh, determine what's on the other end as a result of that. So at the time, this was maybe about 10 years ago now, we were saying, you know, the record for scanning the entire IPv4 internet is something like three minutes. No way. And we said, challenge accepted. That's insane. Three so, minutes for like the entire IPv4. Depends on how big your pipe is, of course. Oh, I but guess our so. pipe wasn't that big. Right. So we couldn't do that. But we thought, I wonder how fast we can do it. And it turns out you can do it in 35 minutes from a university. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that was that was bad. Don't anyone listening at home, don't do this. It's, 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 uh, only if you get permissions, because guess what? Uh, I didn't factor into account the fact that people would be listening and and that people would not be happy. That, right. Uh, that uh, that we decided to do this kind of thing. Oops. Uh, but I, I learnt who is listening as well um, by all the complaints that came back. Yeah. Now the trick is the complaints didn't come back to me directly, but they go back to the owner of the IP address range that is pinging out, which happens to be the university. <laughs> so the university then said, "Who is doing that? It's coming from this lab. Who owns the lab? It's Ernest." All right, come up to the <laughs> principal's office. <laughs> what have you been doing? Nothing. <laughs> like, no, nothing. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's interesting who who got back to us. So right, uh, several places in the US yep. got back to us and said, "What are you doing?" Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Some places came back and said, "Oh, are you doing research? We'd like to do this kind of research too." Huh. And that was great. That was wonderful. 
Yeah. Uh, but then Made there some are friends. some people. Yeah, <laughs> there are some people like you know from China, and from North Korea, yeah, and from Brazil. Okay. What are you doing? Stop it! <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Ah. And then, and then, I uh, the university really was not happy because I found out about email blacklists. Oh, so okay. email blacklists are lists where if someone is doing something bad, the uh, particular organisation or country can block uh, can block things. So right. uh, there was a potential that they would block the entire university's email into that location. Oh, no. So, yes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then once blocked, would block for a month before they would even consider opening it up again. Yeah. So, so then, yes. Interesting. And now I don't work for that organisation anymore. I work here. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that why? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so wow. please don't do this at home. It's very yeah. bad. <laughs> Or if you do, come and do it as like a PhD or something yeah, and get your supervisor's yeah, okay. permission so then it's Which their Which I would not give. I would not give. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting because that was IPv4 and that's yeah. only 2 to the 32 uh, IP addresses. But now IPv6, which is 2 to the 128. A lot. That's a, a big lot number. More. I and, know enough math to know that that's a big number. Ah, well, I did talk to somebody about it and we tried to work out can we scan the entire IPv6 uh, range? And I think we sat down and worked out there's not enough energy in the sun to be able to look. To wow. Pick it's that big. That it's is that huge. Big. So IPv6 is huge. Yeah, right. That is huge. So, okay, so we've, we've seen like a shift from IPv4 to IPv6 in what, like the last 10 or so years? Yeah, yeah. and it's going to move all the way there. It's, yeah. it's, it is the better technology, much more secure. So that's been happening in the last 10 or so years. What's coming up in the next five years for security? Oh, look. And networks. <laughs> there's many different things. Um, I suppose also in the last 10 years we've been moving to, to more of cloud solutions. And, and, yeah, that's where, like, security is kind of uh, following. Security is so big. We were talking before about payment systems. So, you know, security with, with payment systems and blockchain systems, they're going to grow. Um, there's a lot more, like, we talked about cybersecurity and physical systems as well. And so that's where my main research area is. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to grow hugely as well. People are going to look at what happened between Russia and Ukraine and the massive amount of cyber security attacks and things that happened inside there, and people are going to learn from that. And then there's there's a whole intersection between artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, and cyber security. Um, they're really meant to, to be together. So, you know, there, there'll be a lot of applications uh, in this kind of area as well. A lot of it sounds like it's securing the up-and-coming technologies that are emerging now is what it sounds like. Yeah, Yeah. for sure, for sure. I I mean, there's there's a whole lot of stuff uh, about, you know, monitoring as well, so monitoring but also securing. It'll be interesting to see how social media goes and and how we can secure and verify uh, all of that. Because of all the breaches that we've had recently, uh, a lot of identity management uh, issues going to come up and then how do we solve those? What's some things you've overcome to get to where you are now? I suppose 
uh, I mean, early on was was publishing and, and, and working out what contributions were for the research. The hardest challenge as a senior academic is about getting grant funding. Maybe if I wave around the sign and say cybersecurity is a little bit easier. But for other people, for other people it, it is challenging. Uh, and then certainly engaging with industry, uh, building up trust with industry, industry partners that they can believe that you can deliver on, on things that will be useful for them. Those kind of things. So those those are a lot of, of hurdles, challenges and challenges. hurdles. Sometimes working in teams. There you yeah. go. Working in teams is a challenge yeah. uh, all the way through. Yes. I think we, we all feel that as students as well when you kind of get assigned to that group assignment and we all kind of roll our eyes and go, ugh. No. And, and, and academics come around and say, it's good for you. Take your medicine. It's yeah. Like... <laughs> and we all know it's for a reason, but still, I I don't know if it gets much better. <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, you go out there and work and you work in a team mm. and there will be, always be people you just don't get along with. Yeah. And that's um, okay, but you just have yeah. to be able to manage that. Who or what has helped you get to where you are today? Oh, heaps of people. I, um, probably my academic supervisors, my PhD supervisor, who I still talk to now. Oh, like, good. Years and years later. Actually, he's come to visit. He's oh, come lovely. to visit. He's over there now. So, oh, nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so all the way from Norway. Wow. So, there you yeah. go. A lot of colleagues as well, um, people who are also suffering at the same time I am. So um, this happened all the way from university. Like at university, there's a bunch of friends who uh, we still keep in touch, but, you know, we kind of like help each other get through the tutorials and try to work out what the what the lecturer is talking about. And, you know, uh, yeah. if we miss classes or something that, you know, they kind of help us out or yeah, so just having through. that support network and having people who you can you can bounce off when you yeah because I times. think after a while you realise that even though you might be really good you can't do everything all the time by yourself and you really need to work with other people um, yeah. to to get through and, and to achieve yeah uh, the things that you need to achieve so even though teams are annoying uh, <laughs> good teams are really good yeah. So do you have any recommended books, podcasts or movies for people who want to learn more? Um, look, there's cybersecurities everywhere and I think, you know, there's there's lots of ways you can learn things. Just read anything you can really about cybersecurity. It's so big. It's such a big area. Look, cybersecurity is a really awesome field. If, if you are interested in it, uh, as well worth pursuing. Australia needs more cybersecurity. The world needs more cybersecurity professionals. You know, the challenge is there and there's a lot of exciting things from both policy and technical. So. Yeah, fantastic. And check out the Cyber Studio and see see what opportunities are coming up in that space and keep an eye out for any other events in that space coming up over the next year. Yes, we're going to do a few more extra events next year. So it should be really exciting if people come along to that. Well, thank you so much, Ernest. Really appreciate having this conversation. Thank you for listening to the School of ICT Conversation Bytes podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it around and we'd love to get your feedback. Who should we interview next? Do you have any burning questions? Let us know through the link in the description.